This week's episode of Kaiju Weekly is brought to you by Gamera Wax. Looking to spruce up your new ride, or maybe restore an old car back to its former glory? Then look no further than Gamera Wax. Scientifically formulated using ancient Atlantean technology, you'll no longer worry about Gaius droppings falling from the sky. Gamera Wax will protect your finish while giving it a shine that looks like it was buffed by Gamera himself. Gamera Wax. Guardian of your car. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. This week is a very special week because we have not one, not two, but three hosts this week. So, like always, I'm your main host, Travis. With me is very special guest. We, You know him, you love him. We've had him for four weeks in a row now. Michael Hamilton from the Kaiju Groupie uh, Facebook group. And then we also have returning to the podcast from his podcation is Stephen. Woo! I... Welcome back, Stephen. Thank you, thank you. I feel refreshed. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a very special uh, episode this week because we have this is the first time that we're going to have three people on an episode, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Travis, I got a quick question. Would I really still be considered a special guest at this point? Am I really that special? <laughs> well, I mean, we offered you the, you know, that you can come on anytime that you want and be a guest host or be a host. And we just didn't expect you to cash it in so quickly. <laughs> well, I cashed it in for a good cause. And you guys are going to find out a little bit later why. But uh, I feel like I cashed it in for a good cause. I know we just came through um, a trilogy. I guess you could yeah. call it a trilogy. Uh, where we did mm-hmm. a yeah. couple a couple films, just me and you, Travis. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a really interesting dynamic today with all three of us on here. For sure. Yeah. And and you guys did uh, an amazing job, by the way, holding down the fort. So did did really good stuff. In Thank fact, you, sir. Yeah. I will say that um, your reviews of the next three episodes of Ultraman convinced me to buy the set. So I'll have it Monday. Oh, really? Good. Excellent. Yeah. There was just something about it. I was just sitting there listening to what you guys were saying. I was like, I really want to go watch these episodes and I don't want to watch them on YouTube. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to buy it. So I'm glad. Look what you did. I'm glad too, Stephen, because uh, (laughs) I think you said before, you don't have a problem with uh, subtitles over dub. So I don't, uh, yeah, you guys are going to have, I think you're going to have a really good time with those. I think that's that yeah. was one of the reasons I was convinced to do it. I was just like, I just I don't want the dub. I want the real thing. I want to get in and and watch it original flavor. So, yeah, that was another oh, yeah. deciding factor along with the reviews you guys did. Oh yeah, and I ha- I'm going to have a lot to say about dubs versus subs in our main topic this week <laughs> because uh, oh boy, I watched both and <laughs> there's some differences. There's a lot of differences. Um, yeah. But now, listeners, even though it's a very special week having three hosts, uh, it's actually a very slow news week. So we don't have a whole lot of kaiju news um, out in the ether. But there is one thing I want to touch on real quick before 
we jump into anything else. Um, ben, uh, who on Twitter is at Big uh, Big Bad Ben ninety, he is a contributing writer to GodzillaMovies.com. He did an interview with director uh, Shinpei Hiyashia. I think is how you say his name. Good job. Um, that's the director of Raiga and Raiga. Uh, and he also directed a fan film for Gamera. It's the fourth one. Uh, he called it Gamera 4, I think, something with hope. I can't even remember. A New Hope. We'll call it A New Hope. Gamera Episode 4, A New Hope. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, and so that interview was really interesting because it's it was a fan-made Gamera film. It was done with the blessing of Daie, but they didn't, you know, necessarily agree to distribute it or anything but it has screened at g-fest it has screened at a few places and uh it's not looking like it's ever going to be released on any kind of home media or video um but so really the only way you can know what happened in this fan-made version of what a fourth Gamera movie in the Gamera trilogy, a follow-up to the Gamera trilogy, would have been like is if you read that interview over at GodzillaMovies.com. It's a really interesting interview. But um, what do you guys think about this uh, This director who did a follow-up to that very popular trilogy of Gamera movies? Well, um, there's there was a fourth Heisei Gamera film, though. So, but I, I, but I've not, I have to go back and rewatch them to see it make it, but I don't think the fourth film, which was, uh, um, shoot, Gamera the Brave was actually in continuity with, right. with the, with the trilogy. But I think it, it was interesting. I think it, I, right. It was completely separate. Right. Okay. So I think that seeing a fourth film within, within the continuity of what we got with the Heisei era, uh, would be super interesting. Um, I think that the, I think mm. the Heisei era, ended on a high note with Gamera versus Iris. Uh, so, but I would be interested to see how, how they would follow up with that, because I know that is a, that is a film that's uh, much appreciated within the fandom. Yeah. I would have yeah. to agree. I, I would, I would, I would definitely want to see it. I would like to, I guess, judge it on my own merits because if it's made with the same kind of love and respect that they had for this trilogy, then yeah, absolutely. I'd want to see it. So it would be a shame to watch it be thrown by the wayside just because it's not official. Right. Yeah. And and like I said, now, Daie did give um, them uh, their blessing in making it, um, but it just, it is still a fan film. It really is. Um, now, uh, Shisuke Kaneko, uh, the director of the Gamera trilogy, he... In the interview, uh, or they included a, uh, a quote from him where he said that his original plan was for a three-act uh, system for Gamera. He, he planned it out with three, and even though the third one uh, versus Iris ends on a cliffhanger, uh, he still planned it that way. So he never planned on there being a fourth one. So this, this one is kind of a what-if scenario and it and from what i read in the interview it picks up right where the third one left off and continues on the story so um it's an interesting article um anybody who wants to take a look at that can check that out at godzillamovies.com so would there be a chance that this would be on youtube somewhere you think i'm not sure 
Um, it might be. I haven't actually even checked to see if it was on YouTube. Um, like I said, I know it's been screened at multiple places, including G-Fest. Um, but one of the questions that Ben had asked uh, um, Hiyashia was whether or not it's ever going to be released in a way for wider audiences to see it. And he said, no, as of right now, no. Um, so it's a good chance. Unless no. it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, that's it for the news as far as I have. Um, unless any of you guys have any extra bits of news that you want to cover before we move on to another segment. No, it was, it's been a slow news week. Um, from what I've seen, I've been, I've been sort of poking around Twitter and Instagram and some of the other sites that I like to visit, like shriyank.com and some other places. But as far as I can see, it's, it's been a pretty, it's been a pretty slow week, but wasn't there one, um, um, an Ultraman, I think Ultraman Z, am I correct on that? Did I see, did I see that come across? Oh, yes. Um, they, Subaraya Productions has, uh, trademarked a few different names for what could be their upcoming Ultraman right. series, the next iteration of Ultraman that comes out. And Ultraman Z was uh, one of the things that they trademarked. Now, the uh, from what I've heard, or I think it was Kaiju News uh, said that the rumor is that the actual title is going to be Ultraman Zeta. But they went ahead. They they went ahead and trademarked Ultraman Z, so that they could have the trademark for just like everything um, related to it. So, uh, yeah. So that, I mean, but that was like you know they trademarked a, a title. I mean, that was pretty much the only other news that, that I saw. If you want to um, <clears throat> throw in a little bit of gamma news, I guess you could. Th- I guess uh, I think you and I were talking on the back channel about Arrow. Uh, publishing possibly a mm-hmm. completion a completionist series sort of like what the what criterion did with godzilla uh this year with uh right with the game i think it was with the showa gamma series so that would be pretty interesting because i think uh, at this point it's pretty hard to get your hands on copies of those movies yeah now from what i've read about that is arrow is a is um they have the distribution rights for uh, Great Britain for the UK. Uh, and so they are looking at doing, like you said, a Criterion style Gamera collection uh, the way they did for the Showa era Godzilla films. But here in the United States, Shout Factory actually still has the distribution rights for uh, the Gamera movies, the Showa era Gamera movies. And actually, right now, all of them are available on Shout Factory's um, channels. Uh, if you like have Roku, they have their own channel, their own streaming service. And I think even Tubi has their own channel for Shout Factory. And so you can actually find all of the Gamera, uh, Showa era Gamera films on there because of Shout Factory. Having okay. I mean, I, but I don't think there's really any way to get them in physical, with physical media aside from maybe, right. I think, I think, right. Mill and Creek, that's the only thing. Yeah. I think Mill Creek put out a collection. Yeah. In, I think maybe it was a couple years ago, possibly um yeah um yeah so i don't know how the rights are going for physical media here in the states but arrow has the distribution rights in the uk and so we are looking at possibly having a 
complete Showa collection of the Gamera movies coming to the UK, which is really nice for any UK listeners or UK kaiju fans because Gamera movies have not always been the easiest to get. Actually, any kaiju movie has not been easy to get in the UK. No, it's not been. They are very hard to come by. I think O'Reilly, who's in the kaiju groupie Facebook group, uh, I think he says it's it's really it's really difficult to get his, get your hands on quality copies of some of these films and television shows just because mm-hmm. the distribution is just not there. Okay, all right then. Well, then we can go ahead and move on to the main topic for this week. Now, last week uh, I didn't ask a trivia question that hinted at this week's uh, topic because, uh, or on the episode, I didn't do it. Because I didn't know for sure at the time of recording what movie we're, we were going to be discussing this week. But if any listeners follow the social media side of Kaiju Weekly, you would have seen that I did post a question once I found out which movie we were going to be discussing. And oh boy, did we have a lot of response. So the trivia question that I asked was, what giant monster movie featured the first female suit actor to portray an on-screen kaiju now we've had like i said a record-breaking number of responses so i'm going to try to get through all of them um first off shijer uh who is a, a friend uh an online friend of mine he's a really great guy he's in a lot of the facebook groups i'm a part of uh and he guessed pacific rim uh not right but we still give you a, a shout decent out. guess. Uh, Jesse Wilson, who is part of the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group. And I want to remind everybody that if you're not part of that Facebook group, go check it out because it's an awesome Facebook group with a lot of great Kaiju fans. Um, Jesse Wilson also is an author um, who published a Kaiju related book, um, which is called Nuclear Knights, I think is what it is. And, and it is. Uh, involves giant mechs and kaiju and everything so it sounds interesting i haven't had a chance to read it yet but i have seen him talk about it on the facebook group and it sounds really interesting um but he gave us a funny answer to the question uh he said clearly it's fey ray from king kong the time when kong reaches in the window to grab her that's her actual hand the filmmakers thought it would be a clever inside joke (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Uh, and then we had Raul the Car, the Kerr, Kerr, I believe. Okay. (laughs) Um, he said uh, GMK, which is a decent guess because there is a female suit actress uh in that movie, but that's not the first one. Um, Ben Colton said Frankenstein conquers the world. Uh, again, kind of followed along the GMK idea with Baragon, but. Not quite. Uh, Cody Kersich uh, said Baragon from GMK. Troy Lamoth said Baragon from GMK. And Charles Henderson said Baragon from GMK. So there's a lot of a lot of people uh, who thought it was Baragon from, from Godzilla Mothra King Ghidorah. Uh, which again, that one had a female actress. Her name was Rie Ota. Uh, but she was not the first one. It's a it's a decent um, guess, guys. And just as a side note, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's a it's a decent guess. Um, I think 
there might be a little bit of a delay, but um, yeah, it's a, it was just a decent guess. Yeah. So yeah, anyone who guessed GMK, I mean, it's yeah, I mean, they're they're really really close. Yeah, but just as a side note, um, there is a video going around that people have shared on uh, social media. If you guys haven't seen it, it's um, uh, Rie Ota as Baragon before they add the the sound effects to it. So it's just her in the suit on set and she actually roars and makes the roar sound and is the cutest roar. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) it's so cute. Um, Continuing on, we have Travis Morgan wrote Rodan. Uh, Then now we're getting into the ones that actually answered correctly. So we have Zach Wilson who wrote Gamera Guardian of the Guardian of the Universe. He was the first one to get it correct. Oh, congratulations, Zach. Uh, Brian Stafford said, Gamera, his favorite kaiju. So he got it right, too. And I know, I think he answered last week, uh, too. And I can't remember how to pronounce his name. Orydon? 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 Carol? I think it's uh, Orydon, if I'm not mistaken. I've asked O'Reilly before how to spell yeah, his, or how to pronounce his brother's name. Um, and I can never get it right. Yeah, I, I I recognize the name, but I was like, I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, he said, not sure of the movie, but I know she played Super uh, Gios or Gaios. Um, then you also had the one who stomps or at Scotty Pippin Hot One on Twitter, who said uh, Gios. Uh, so he he got it right too on Twitter. Dylan Nolan said Super Gaios or Gios. Uh, Seth Alexander Hall said. Uh, Gios, 1995. So they're getting the monster right, but they're not getting the movie right. Brian Patrick Lamoth, or Lamoth, uh, said Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. Ray Clark said Gamera, Guardian of the Universe, ET13 Productions, who has a uh, podcast that they also do. And he answered on Twitter, Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. And then finally, another fellow giant monster podcast, Monster Island Film Vault, answered on our Instagram page, Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. So next week, if you want to get a shout out on the podcast, when we ask our trivia question, you can answer the trivia question on Twitter, on Facebook, via the Kaiju Groupie Facebook. You can email us, uh, kaijuweekly at gmail.com, or you can check out our Instagram. It's kaijuweeklypod. And we will give you a shout out. Travis, just to be clear, uh, uh-huh. what film are we doing today? Yeah, we are going to be doing uh, Gamera versus Giron. Wait, that was not <laughs> in my notes. What's going on? Oh, okay. uh, no. I need, okay. Are you looking at something different than me? <laughs> no no we are doing gamera guardian of the universe it is the first in the gamera trilogy that we talked about it is directed by shasuke kaneko uh who also directed godzilla mothra king Ghidorah, gmk one we were just talking about um and it stars oh boy i am not japanese so these names are hard (laughs) suyoshi ihara akira odonadi Ono Dera, uh, Shinobu Nakayama, Ayako Fujitani, uh, Yukijiro Hotaru, and then uh, Yuki, uh, let's see, Naoki uh, Manabe and Jun Suzuki, 
as Gamera. They both portray Gamera. And then the first female kaiju uh, suit actor, Yumi Ama, as Gios. All those pronunciations are spot on. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do my best. <laughs> um, so, who wants to be in charge of the plot breakdown for this movie? Gamera, Guardian of the Universe. I say this is. I say Steve's probably pretty rusty. So let's him. Let's let him do it. Yeah, this is this is my bag. <laughs> just pass that off. All right. So uh, there are these guys, and they're on a boat, and then stuff happens, and then they see this atoll. They make sure to let you know that it's an atoll all the time through the movie. But then there are these <laughs> birds killing people on this other island. And people are like, whoa, that's crazy. So we got to go check out the birds. And then as we go to check out the birds, there's something going on with the atoll. And they start digging. I actually thought they were digging into a shell for a moment. And I was like, that can't be right. <laughs> so luckily that wasn't the case. But then as the birds get off the island, they start eating people. A giant turtle that we all know and love as Gamera climbs out of this this egg cocoon of an atoll, as we're prone to know it as. And then he goes to stop the birds before they go on another killing spree. But he fails, and then another one gets out and grows bigger and bigger and bigger. And then we learn why Gamera is doing this, where they all come from. We'll get into that as we talk about it. And then, hey, Gamera saves the day because he's the guardian of the universe, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, for anyone who is not familiar with Gamera, the Gamera series, uh, Gamera is a giant monster that was made by a competing company to Toho, which had Godzilla and a lot of other monsters, uh, Daie. And it was made to basically compete with Godzilla, the popularity of Godzilla. And there were a lot of movies in the 60s. And then they took a break for a while. And this is the first of three movies. That's why we call it the Gamera Trilogy. All directed by the same director that was in the 90s or the Heisei era. So that's just a little breakdown just for people who are not initiated in the Gamera lore. Um, but yeah, Stephen did a good job there. So let's talk about initial thoughts before we get into our likes and dislikes. Um, what are you, your guys's initial thoughts on this movie? Well, um, I guess I'll start. I think that, the, you know, before this film came out, you had, uh, I think it was Gamera, the super monster. Uh, now the, the year escapes mm -hmm. me. I'll have to go back and look at, and see what year that it actually was released. I think it was maybe in the eighties, but I'm not a hundred percent on that. Uh, Travis, I'm sure you'll, you'll double check for me, but I thought yeah. that this film was the perfect reboot for Gamera. Although I wish the, I wish the series, the Heisei era, uh, went on for a little bit longer, but I feel like guardian of the universe was the perfect reboot to reintroduce Gamera to a wider audience. Um, just the film in general is probably one of my favorites. Uh, I actually like out of the three that we got, um, this is actually my favorite one with uh, versus Iris being the sec being a very, very close second um, versus Legion. I didn't care much for that one. I don't know why it just kind of, it was, it just really kind of put me off a little bit. Um, but I think this one was the perfect film to reboot the franchise itself so it's it's so it's it, I'm, I'm happy for what we got 
but it's a little bit disappointing that it didn't continue longer than what it, what it actually was beyond just three films. Yeah, and uh, to answer you, uh, Super Monster or Pooper Monster is what a lot of people like to refer to it, since it's one of the worst ones, um, came out in 1980. So it actually does predate the Heisei era. Because okay. the Heisei era, as from what I know, from what I remember, started in 85, I wanted to say. Maybe 84, considering. Because Godzilla 1980. Well, I, because I remember that people count Godzilla 85, what we know it here, Return of Godzilla, as a Heisei movie, even though it came out the year before the Heisei era actually started, um, if I remember right. But I might be getting that wrong. But, uh, but either way, I know 1980 does predate it. So, okay. so, uh, Super Monster was not Heisei. So, yeah, so this is the first, uh, the first Heisei era Gamera movie. And, it is really interesting because, like Michael said, it's a reboot to that classic uh, Gamera, but done in kind of a modern tone and modern setting. And uh, and so it's it's a really interesting movie. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoy this movie. I really enjoy the trilogy. Um, Stephen, what are your thoughts on this movie? Being exposed to Gamera... First was probably through Mystery Science Theater, so I always <laughs> yeah. knew it as something kind of hokey and, and you know cheesy. So you just kind of you have that impression. Oh yeah, it's it's goofy, silly, stupid. You know, you it's hard to take it seriously. But then this comes along, and it really does try to reinforce the ideas and try to give it a more serious tone and really trying to sell you on this idea that this can be as good as any Godzilla movie that we have. It can be just as serious. And they do play around and toy around with certain elements like Godzilla movies do, where there's that message about nuclear holocaust and, and what are we doing with the the wars and, and weapons and things like that. And this this has those moments where it touches on that. And it's unexpected because they don't, force it down your throat. and I mean, obviously, Godzilla movies don't do that either, but with all the, I guess, f- fantasy, science fiction elements that they really kind of play on, it was it was a little unexpected that they just kind of swooned in and was like, you know, we do the same things too. We create monsters. We create weapons. And that's what they did. And now we're repeating the cycle. It was like, oh, wow, you kind of slipped that in on us, you know? So I give them a lot yeah. of props for trying to to really give this series some credibility that I feel like the original may not have done for it because they were not taken as seriously as this was. So I applaud them for, for what they were trying to do. Right. Yeah, it is interesting that um, if you go back to that Showa era, like you said in Mystery Science Theater 3000, they reviewed all of the Showa era uh, Gamera films and they really are that cheesy. It's what the Godzilla movies eventually became, but Gamera kind of started there and stayed there. Whereas Godzilla kind of slowly evolved into a more kid friendly, sillier uh, series. And so I find it really interesting that if you compare when this movie came out to what Toho was doing with their Godzilla movies, Toho, the same year that this movie came out, Toho put out Godzilla vs. Destroya. And 
I love that film. That is one of my favorite Godzilla films. But if you compare the directing style and the filmography of that and the cinematography of that film compared to this one, this one actually is superior. Like as far as quality goes in the way it's directed and the way it's made, I think that the camera work, the acting is all better in this movie than in what Toho was doing at the time. So it's really interesting to see how they came out of that hokey silliness to say, hey, we're going to do something. We're going to embrace the hokiness, but also do a very serious, very mature uh, style giant monster movie. Yeah, there's a lot of reverence I wholeheartedly... towards... Oh, I'm sorry, Steve. I'm Go sorry. ahead, Michael. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of reverence to the to the Heisei Gamera series, um, and I do agree with you, Travis. There, there, there's a lot more to love about the the trilogy that we got than there is a lot more to love with, say, the Heisei series and Godzilla. And I, I feel like uh, I feel like I'm going to get some flack for saying that, but you know, it, in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, the trilogy that we got with Gamera was a lot better than what we got with Godzilla because uh, I remember watching this film and the two films that followed and you really felt like you weren't just, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, in the, in the Hasty series, say some of the cinematography, some of the cinematography where it's just all these wide angle shots. There's just a lot of just full, Mm -hmm. like here's a monster, here's a monster they're going to fight, you're going to watch, and then that's it. But with the with the trilogy we got with Gamera, you really felt part of the action. And I think that's a testament to how well the cinematography was done with this with these three with, with this trilogy. Um now I actually I'm one of the people yeah. that actually I'm one of the people that actually likes the Heisei era of uh Godzilla even more so maybe than the Millennium era. Um Godzilla mm-hmm. 1991, uh, I think it was King Ghidorah. Yeah, it was King Ghidorah versus King Ghidorah. That's Godzilla to me, in my or versus Violante. That's that's what mm-hmm. that's the first one that I think of when someone mentions the name Godzilla. Um, although I am evolving more into a Showa guy over over the last year or so, I've evolved <laughs> more into into that era. But or I've learned to appreciate that era more. Uh, but I think to what Stephen pointed out earlier was um, the Showa era of of Gamera was in comparison to what we got with say with toho was just really silly and mm-hmm. it, yeah it, i know it does it deserves some i, mean, yeah. I feel like it does it deserves more respect than what it maybe gets but mm-hmm. compare it to say what toho was doing in the 50s 60s and 70s i mean there's really no comparison uh and there's and so right. i feel like with guardian the universe uh Daie, was sort of sort of had their back against the wall. They thought to themselves, "Hey, we got to come out. Mm-hmm. We we got to come out swinging because uh, our last several films they were okay, but they weren't great. Um, so we've got to mm-hmm. do what we have to do to uh, to make these as, as as good as they can possibly be." And I think that uh, partly can be attributed to the, some of the directing and some of the writing for these films, um, which is why. Which yeah. is which is why these are such a fan favorite, I think, because they do touch on themes outside of maybe the typical um, 
uh, use of nuclear power yeah. or something like that. But they also touch on some religious themes and some some theology in a way that I don't know if it was intended, but but it's there and it makes it really really interesting. Yeah, yeah, and we we talk about how silly and goofy the uh, Showa era Gamera was. Now that doesn't necessarily say that they were bad. You know, they have their own charm and there's something to like about them and for what they are, but they were geared more towards kid friendly things. Um, if listeners are not familiar with Gamera, but have been following along with the podcast, if you've seen anything from Ultraman, especially the 60s Ultraman, that tone is kind of what is in Gamera. It's more focused towards children. Um, so that I just want to make that clear. We're not saying that the Showa era is uh, Gamera is bad but it is interesting to see how they were like well we're going to evolve into something different and while we're still talking about the comparisons between Toho and Daie in the Heisei era there is something like I, I say I really legitimately feel like these Gamera movies are superior than anything that Toho was putting out in the Godzilla series from Heisei and that's coming from someone who like Michael I enjoy the Heisei series probably more than any other uh, era of Godzilla. Um, but these movies, this trilogy of Gamera films, really are superior. Now, they are not superior in one way, in my mind, and that's the suits, the actual monster designs. Uh, they're not bad, but when you compare them to Toho, you, know, you you've got it's like apples and oranges almost you know it's like you know, toho is just so much more superior in their creature designs and their monster designs than Daie was doing with their gamma movies but that's not to say that these movies aren't superior in every other way i can uh, agree with that anything else yeah. When you're thinking about that, the when you're talking about like the superiority with with monster designs or set designs or whatever, you're really talking about the differences in budget. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, Daye did not mm -hmm. have a huge yeah. budget for these films. Um, right, they at did at least not the same amount of war chest as say Toho did at the time because you know Toho was a had probably amassed, um you know, what would probably be the equivalent today mm -hmm. of billions of dollars at that point. And so they had the ability to throw a lot right. of, you know, muscle behind some of the monster designs and some of the set designs. Um, the thing that I sort of had the problem with, with the Heisei era of Godzilla was just some of the, 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 just sort of the generic cinematography. There was really nothing in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, I'm probably going to get raked over the coals for this, but uh, there was nothing really, groundbreaking about what we saw with the Heisei era in Godzilla. It was just sort of explosions, laser beams, and monster fights. That's pretty much what it amounted to. And that's not knocking it. That, that comes from someone who absolutely loves that era of film, but um, I can mm -hmm. I can't agree that there is some superiority of what Daiei was doing at the time. Yeah. And Steven, did you have something else you want to say? Well, piggyback off of what he was saying about the cinematography, that's actually one of the biggest draws I had with this movie. One of the things that really stood out to me and made it feel more superior than a lot of the movies that came out in that time. Because when I think of the um, Heisei era for Godzilla movies, there's one shot out of all the movies that I remember and I thought was 
amazing technically out of the Godzilla mm-hmm. films. And that was out of Godzilla versus space Godzilla. There was the moment where he came out of the water coming to the Island. And there was a, it was a wide mm-hmm. shot of him in the water walking to the Island. It looked so seamless. Like he was there and it was impressive. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's everything I ever wanted to see something like that. And to make it believable, like I could find no flaw in that, but that's one mm-hmm. shot out of all the Godzilla films in that era where one scene really sticks out. But in this movie, there were so many great shots, mm-hmm. so many great shots. Like there were the, the one that always sticks out in my mind was when Gaios was on Tokyo tower nesting and the sun mm-hmm. was off, you know, setting yeah. in the background. There's such a beautiful shot. There was the face-off between Super Gaios and Gamera. And just how they positioned those cameras. Never seen anything like that in a Godzilla film that I can remember. But there was just this Mm -hmm. intensity to it. How they were positioned and facing off. It was just fantastic. But even kind of what you were saying about the budget. it I don't want to knock the movie for it. But it's... It's noticeable. Not just that. I mean, I wouldn't even say with the suits. Maybe with Gauss more than Gamera. I feel like they put a little bit more effort into Gamera. Because Gauss right. can be eh, like Goofy? The, the derpy yeah. puppets. Yeah. You know, because when it was yeah. little and sitting there just, buck, 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 you know, like a little chicken uh-huh. pecking around. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's a little. Its eyes like, were going in two different directions. Well, yeah, so it's a little questionable. And I would even say, like, their set designs. I I know you can tell in in Toho's mm-hmm. movies that it, you know it's a, it's a model set. But it's so meticulous that it can mm. almost fake you out just for a moment. Right. But Dai's, uh, it's a little bit more noticeable. And you're just like, okay, you didn't put as much. And I don't know what the difference is. That's the weird part. Like maybe yeah. if you're looking at the roads a certain way or something like that, it just, you can tell. So it's hard to say, but it's lack of budget is a little bit more noticeable. Steven, I'll ask yeah. you uh, really quickly um, something that stood out to me in this film. And actually it's, it, it's prevalent in all the other films too, a little bit, but mm. some of the color, um, some of the um, color correction that was done in post-production, like this yeah. film looks dirty. And like, not in a yeah. bad way, it just looked like there's a certain, right. it's an, it's an overly warm, I feel like it's, it's lit overly, like the, the color correction, it leans overly warm, if that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you think about that? Me, I think it helped sort of the, um, sort of the mood of the film. Whereas in the Heisei era with Godzilla, it was very saturated, lots of saturated blacks, and sure. just very and loud pops of color, whereas this one was really muted. It was just sort of that sort of matte, dirty, brownish red mm. color the whole way through. And I actually sort of like that because it gave more of a serious tone to the film that were where we hadn't seen that in a long time before. And I definitely feel like that's what they were intending for. They wanted you to have that mm-hmm. sense of urgency to it, the seriousness of it. It's not the camp we knew from, you know, the 60s. It's, it's something, it's a different beast, so to speak. So from a cinematography perspective, from the, the saturation, the colors, the tone they were implicating, yeah, it was absolutely intentional, I would feel. 
I don't feel like that was anything that they did like, oh, well, we screwed up. It was intentional. They they nailed it. No, it was it. absolutely intentional, I feel like, too. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, uh, and I have in, in one of my likes um, that I have listed on my notes, uh, that this, even though the color correction, like you said, it does have kind of that more muted look to it, I actually feel like that makes it feel more realistic um, because the colors are not overly saturated. They're not overly just in your face, assaulting your eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, it feels more realistic and atmospheric. And whereas the Godzilla movies from the Heisei era always felt like they kind of took place in this weird kind of pseudo realistic Japan. This one felt like it actually took place in 1995's Japan, right. like real life Japan, the industrial um, in very uh, in a very industrial area. Whereas, like for example, here um, where we live mm -hmm. in Charleston, West Virginia, some you know you walk outside sometimes and the air just looks kind of musty and dull. It's not like, yeah. bright and saturated. Whereas, I think you're, I think you're, I think you're right on that. Yeah. Um, so now we, we talked about, we got into our likes uh, a lot in that, and we'll get into some more in just a minute, but let's flip over to some of our dislikes. Uh, what are some things in this movie that you guys didn't like? Michael, you want to go Steven first? Stuff. No, I'll, let, I'll go. Uh, Steven, you're, you're returning back. I'll let you shake off some okay. of that ring rest. <laughs> uh, I have to say I was not a fan of the use of CG in this film. I've, I understand, again, it'll probably lean back toward the budget, but I feel like that they could have done certain things in a different way that didn't require CG, and therefore it wouldn't have come off even cheaper than what they did. In fact, mm -hmm. I would honestly say that the CG in this movie made me miss the effects from the Showa era. That's how bad they were to me. And I was like, gosh, you, you, there's a charm to those. This just looks, ugh, you yeah. know, like the, there was the, the shot rushed. with the missiles uh, coming in mm -hmm. camera. And it was just like, God, I just, there's something about it. I would have preferred toy missiles on a string and it would have had more right. charm to it than this. So that would be one of my gripes. I'm wondering though, Stephen, if it wasn't necessarily maybe what the, what the technology they had they had at the time um that sort of played a part in that too or you know we go back to color correction but i know what you're talking about the scene where they launched the, the heat seeking missiles that did look um one of my dislikes was also some of the the visual the visual effects looked dated they looked very 1995 sort of like similar to what you would maybe find on a b movie on the sci-fi network if you've ever watched some of those abominations but um but yeah, one of the things I think that I can classify as sort of as a dislike, uh, which is weird because I said previously that I love the fact that this is a, a fresh start for Daiye. It was a fresh start to the franchise. I wish there was a little mm. bit more callback to the original Showa era with the Gamma series, but I appreciate what they did here. But I, I just wish there was just a, a little little tiny snippet there, a little tiny sn snippet of of callback to that old, to that older series sort of to help tie everything together. There really wasn't a whole lot of that here. It, it felt fresh. It felt new. And I can appreciate that. And I love that about it, but I just wish there was just a little bit more callback to that, to that original, original series. Yeah. Yeah. And I can, I can definitely see that. Um, 
for me, and I mentioned it kind of early on, I watched this movie twice. I watched it once in the Japanese with the subtitles and once in the dubbed version, which was the Mill Creek released um, dubbed version. And I am not, I know there's a big debate between subs versus dubs. I am not that beholden to either one. Like I, you know, I take it or leave it on either one of them. Sometimes I watch dubs, sometimes I watch subs. It, It really doesn't matter to me. This movie though, I will encourage anyone who watches it to please watch it in subtitled uh, because the dubbing, the American dubbing for this is awful. The voice acting in it is awful. And it was so distracting (laughs) through the second. I'm glad I watched it in subtitles first and then this one. Otherwise, it would have colored my opinion of the movie. And then I would have been like, ah, oh, maybe this movie's not as good as I remember it. Because just, my goodness, that the, the voice acting was so terrible. Um, I think it's most prevalent, that's... too, Travis, in the um, uh-huh. um, in the Ornithologist, in the, in the voice actor that mm-hmm. redid her, that did the dubbing for her. I think it's most prevalent there, because uh, that was one part that, yeah. that I really noticed where the dubbing just really was not great. In fact, I watched the, the English dub with... Uh, or no, what was it? They had actually had sub the one the version I found on archive.org had also also had subtitles to go along with it, which was weird. But oh, wow. um, yeah, even the subtitles with the English dub did not follow the same dialogue as as what I was as what I was listening mm-hmm. with my ears. So so yeah, I mean it was, it's I agree. I, if you're gonna watch a version of this, I would definitely go full on with the subtitles instead of the dub. Yeah, and the young girl, um, uh, Asagi was the character's name. She, her, her dubbing was also really bad, too. I think it was just both the female characters in this where they dubbed them terribly. Because then you switch over if you watch it in the subtitled, and the actress, uh, Ayako Fujitani, uh, she is fantastic. And I'm gonna, I want to talk about her some more later on, but she is fantastic in this movie, and then to horribly, horribly dub her just was such a crime because she did so good. And then they just did it so poorly in the dub. Um, so, but yeah, that. I, I was about ahead. to say it's about the equivalent of how they would dub children in Godzilla flicks, where it was just the yeah. worst possible voice. It sounded nothing like a kid. Oh my God, Daddy! What right. are you doing? Yeah, it's like, yeah. yeah. Ichi, <laughs> uh, Ichi, is it Ichiro in Godzilla's Revenge? All monsters attack, whatever it is. Is it but Ichiro? Is that what his name? He's was? actually yes. the best one out of all of them, though. That's the worst <laughs> part. Uh, the one from Megalon gets me every oh, single time I watch me. it in dubbed. <laughs> but <laughs> but that fi- that film is so silly. You almost have to watch it in dubs and not subtitles. Right, exactly. It's one of the ones I do watch in dubbed because I enjoy the silliness of it, but that voice acting for that kid is so horrible. Um, one of the other things I wanted to just mention, we we, we talked about how uh, Gaius or Gauss um, looks kind of weird, especially the younger versions looks uh, kind of weird and off-putting, but um, the trope of the government leaders not listening to the scientists when there's so oh, yeah. much evidence in front of them that says, listen to these guys. They know what they're talking about. It is like even in 1995 when this movie came out, that was such a dated trope. 
and it was so just just tired i it was just tiresome in this movie i got really really annoyed with it i'm gonna it was, say travis i've got a little bit of a push i guess i don't know if it's a pushback but um one of the things in my dislikes was i wish they would have sort of expanded a little bit more on the effects that, that mm-hmm. something like the emergence of a giant monster would have on society and government and stuff like that now shin i, th- I feel like shin Godzilla did this really well, for mm-hmm. better or for worse. I know some people love that movie. Some people hate that movie. I fall into the camp where I have learned to love that movie. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, in this film, I think there was one scene where there was a mom and her daughter at the market, and it was a fish market. And one of the fish mark and one of the fishmongers was like, "Yeah, you know, due to the fact that Gauss is in town, you know, fish has been really scarce." And mm-hmm. and it just little hints like that. I wish they sort of would have expanded on, you know, what the effects it would have been on yes. society and sort of day to day life if, if in fact there was sort of a giant monster attack or some or some kind of catastrophe along those lines. So, yeah, and seeing the news reports um, as the monsters are attacking kind of is what helps with that. Um, you know, them talking about the stock market mm-hmm. collapse in Japan, you know, after all of the attacks and different things like that. It was really interesting. So, yeah, it's something they could have expanded on more instead of just, uh, oh, well, we need to kill Gamera because he's dangerous, but we want to keep the Gaios because the Gaios are rare and, and we need to study them. But it's like, but Gamera is just as rare. There's three Gaios and there's one Gamera. Why are you still wanting to kill Gamera? It's just the the motivations and the trope that they went with with these government officials were so dated and just old and tired. And I just they really one thing that really bugs me about films like this is like say that, you know, when when Gamera shows up and the first thing he does when he shows up is he kills a gauss. He kills the gauss that was trying to escape Mm -hmm. uh, when he emerges from the ocean. So. Instead of trying to find out why maybe Gamera is trying to kill the same enemy we're trying to kill, they just automatically say, you know what, he's a giant monster and we don't like him, so we're going to try to destroy him too. That is probably one of the things that really bugs me about these this sort of genre in general. They don't give, like when there's obviously a, a mutual, um, what was it, when, when there's a, um, uh, when there's, when there's somebody, a, not necessarily trying to help them when there's another monster trying mm-hmm. not necessarily to help them, but, um, but it's obvious that he's more that said, that said giant monster is more focused on destroying the enemy of my enemy. Um, right. They just automatically revert to, okay, here's some giant monsters. We need to try to kill them instead of trying to find out maybe the other monster is on our side or something like that. So maybe that's a little bit deeper read. Um, that may be a conversation more for Kaiju Apostle. I don't know, but uh, yeah, uh, who knows? But yeah, we love those guys too. So shameless plug to those. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, it's just something I um, noticed in the film. So I mean, I, mean, I would actually, I would actually piggyback off of that to to kind of reinforce what you're pointing out there because yeah, this annoyed me too. The fact that they attacked Gamera literally a scene after he protected. Some people, mm-hmm. okay, because Gaius was trying to kill these two people, three people, matter of fact, on this bridge. Gamera literally put his hand mm-hmm. out and protected them, right? And then we go on the attack. I literally did go, What? Why are you attacking him? What? What is going on? Yeah, because there was 
They had nothing other than giant monster, got to kill it. That's it. There was no explanation whatsoever. Right. So it, yeah, it really bugged me in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, those those tropes were they were dated even in 1995 when this movie came out. They were dated. So uh, yeah, they were kind of annoying. Um, any other uh, dislikes that you guys want to talk about before we go back to doing some uh, some of our favorite parts? Hmm. No, I don't have anything else. I mean, my list was pretty short there. Yeah, it's it it's a good movie. There's not much to complain about. There are some things, but just there there really is not much to complain about because it is a good movie. Um, so we can go ahead and move on to uh, some more of our favorite parts. Now, one of my favorite parts that I have listed here, uh, I just have written on my show notes: the greatest taxi driver ever. <laughs> <laughs> that taxi driver was nuts <laughs> this random girl gets into your cab and says can you drive through a police barricade to get me to the place where giant monsters are being attacked by the military and he's like all right absolutely <laughs> and just does it yeah it was so great i loved that scene um any other uh parts that really stand out to you guys uh, I'm going to say, Travis, that um, I actually liked the design of Gauss, uh, especially Super Gauss. Um, although, no. Yeah. No, the adult, the Super Gauss, I do agree. That was a good design, but the, it was just the younger ones I didn't. I, I like the, um, <laughs> I, I just like them in general. I think they looked a lot better than the Showa era. I will say that. And I, I think they were, they were a very, they were oh, a believable true. kaiju. I enjoyed them. Uh, I think probably if I wanted to if I wanted to nitpick about it, uh, the googly eyes that you guys pointed out earlier was yeah. a little bit distracting, especially if you remember in that scene where they're flying in the in the jet, and you see the gals fly up next mm-hmm. to the jet, and he just looks over and he, he's got the googly eyes, and so that 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 one made me mm-hmm. chuckle out loud a little bit when I when I saw that again. Um, uh, sort of the natural predator and prey aspect between Gamera and Gauss, sort of that. Um, I don't know if you would call it symbiosis, but sort of that, you know, here's Gauss, here's the natural enemy to Gamera, Gamera must kill Gauss, and so there was there was that part of it that I liked. Um, just the overall tone of the film was a lot more serious than, say, what we got with the show era, where it was very kid-friendly and campy, and I don't mind things being kid-friendly, but I also... Uh, don't want it to be so kid friendly that it's that's silly. I want some seriousness in there too, and I think that's what we got with this first uh, very well done uh, reboot for for Gamera. Yeah, yeah, it it, it definitely had a good balance. Um, Stephen, do you have any other ones that you want to bring out? I think you guys have really hit it all. I mean, I don't really know what I could say that would be unique. I think um, there were there were some locations I kind of felt like. We hadn't seen in a Godzilla film before, which I thought was refreshing, you know, because usually we get the same mm-hmm. locales, the same cities, the same buildings and whatnot. But there were there were a few moments in here where it felt like something different. So they weren't trying to replicate that. Um, I will definitely say that kind of what Michael had kind of just mentioned, the tone. It does have a slightly mm-hmm. darker tone, especially when you get to Gauss and the fact that he's killing yeah. people. I mean, what Godzilla monster can yeah. you think about that's going around killing people individually? This yeah, thing gruesome. is going off and picking mm-hmm. off people. And the fact, oh, the the bird dropping yeah. scene. 
Oh my yes. god! I mean, when you really think about that yes. in context, you're like, "Oh man, all right, that's that that's that doctor yeah. guy." So <laughs> it, it think, definitely uh-huh. pushes that. What did you guys think about sort of the because in the Showa era of Gamma films, um, kids were sort of just the sidekick. They were there mm-hmm. to assist Gamera in sort of a human level, whatever the human level threat was. That's where ki- that's what kids were there for. Uh, so what did you guys think about sort of the, the spiritual bond between uh, Gamera and the the teenage girl? Her name in the film escapes me. Yeah. A um, but what did you think about that as opposed to sort of the sidekick type kid trope for that for a Gamera film? I personally liked it. I like I said, I mean, I talked about it earlier. I think that the acting, especially her acting in this movie was phenomenal and she did an amazing job now i did want to bring up do you guys know who this uh actress is uh ayako fujitani Mm, she didn't ring a bell no this is steven seagal's daughter no kidding yeah this is steven seagal's daughter this is her first role that she ever had and she knocked it out of the huh. park. Well, that's she was so good. Wow, okay, so I'm Go gonna ahead. say this, and I mean no disrespect to the girl, okay, but that uh-huh. might explain why I felt like her face seemed so much older than she was. Yes, because <laughs> she had this look on her face at all times. I was like, she cannot be a kid, but she she looks like a kid, but she doesn't look like a kid. And I'm so confused right now because her face looks so much like she just looks like got that serious daddy look. That's what it is. Yeah. She's yeah. got a dad's look. Yeah. She looks. Yeah. She has that, that same expression mm-hmm. that <laughs> Steven Seagal has. Yeah. And she did appear in one of his movies. Now, she went on to. She is now, she's acting in a lot of uh, things. She's also directed, and she's also become a very uh, prolific writer, too. So she is a very accomplished person. Interesting. um, In her own right. So, but yeah, when I was looking at it, it wasn't even on IMDb. I was doing Wikipedia research on this movie, and I was looking up information about the actors, and I saw, and I was like, that's steven seagal's daughter that's really cool it has it has him yeah so and this was her first role and she does come back in the rest of the gamma trilogy that we talked about um and so i am looking forward to revisiting those movies because i want to see more of her she did a phenomenal job and really the acting pretty much from all of the main cast was great um the the main uh uh ornithologist right was great she did a great job the um inspector you know while a little campy was also you know did a great job uh and then uh you have what was he the the navy man i forget uh what his name was but he did a great job too Mm -hmm. um and so it's just like the acting in this movie was just really phenomenal i gotta touch on one thing real quick while we're talking about before we get off the girl. Okay. So uh-huh. I'm going to okay. assume, because I remember she was in the other movies. Did <laughs> they, did they explain why she connected? If they did, don't tell me because I need to refresh myself. But that was the only thing that kind of bugged me outside of the fact that she had that little artifact, which by the way, 
did you you two watch two separate versions of this? Did they call that artifact something other than a comma shaped whatever they said? Yeah. Oh my god. That made me so mad because is it yeah. it has a name. The shape of it has a name and uh-huh. they called it this comma shaped artifact and I was like, Dude, "Why can't you just call it what it is?" I think it's like magma yeah. or something like that. I'm probably ruining that, but that's what I, my memory could remember. But Stephen, they, yeah, I'm pretty sure. In, Stephen, they expand on that. Yeah. They expand on okay. why her relationship is her. They they expand more on on the relationship Good. between her and Gamera later on. In, I think in the next film, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, that, they that's sort of, all they I wanted to make sure because that felt like a thread that was like okay. Explain that just a little bit. I I was okay with it, but I did want a little bit more mm-hmm. substance to it. Now, if you're going to expand, perfect. Leave it alone. I'll get to it. Right. Yeah, and that artifact, I think in the Japanese version, they did actually use the name and went into a little bit about how it had some kind of, it had religious significance and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so, yeah, so they, they did. Yeah, I think they they dumbed things down for the American audiences. Well, it was the Mill Creek. They used their dub titles, as they call them, because I watched mm-hmm. the Japanese version, but I was getting all this Americanized jargon in the subtitles. And it was like, mm-hmm. this isn't right. This can't be right at all. Right. Yeah, yeah. I do. Rem- I know. I don't know which version or, or you know which Japanese version I watched. Like who released it, but um, but I know that they did expand on it. It was it, like I said. In I went into it. The dubbing versus subtitle. The version of subtitles that I watched was so much better than the dubbed version that I watched. Um, one last little thing I want to talk about just before we move on, uh, is the the horror elements in this movie there were there were some horror-esque we talked about it a little bit with gaios that uh gaios was attacking people individually like he was hunting and you don't see that with uh the godzilla monsters because they don't there people die in like uh, by accident because of the destruction mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they're not going out and hunting individual people whereas Gaios was but there was the scene where they find the original nest and they reveal that these three Gaios that they have been following actually weren't the only three Gaios that hatched but because they didn't have food they actually ate each other and that those were just the three that survived and that scene was legitimately frightening like it it was grotesque and and very uh much like a horror movie um you guys have any thoughts on on that i liked it i mean i it was part of my likes also that i like sort of the the i mean it i guess it plays more into the sort of the less kid-friendly more serious tone of the film whereas i just i just like the horror elements to it i liked um Mm. i'm not gonna say that i'm all in on on blood guts and gore but you know, when there's when it's used and it's used in an okay way, I can get on board with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't yeah. feel I like that they. Good. I, I don't feel like that they they overdid it. You know, no, they they, they definitely mm-hmm. pushed the boundary to make you understand that this is a more serious Gamera film. But they also, I mean, they could have went <laughs> a lot further than they did, but they did rein it in. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give them credit for using it sparingly, but using it just enough to make you go okay this is not cheesy campy gamera this is really really serious 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, as far as fun facts, I really only found uh, a few fun facts, and we really pretty much covered them all in our um, discussion. Uh, the one actress being Steven Seagal's daughter and what she's gone on to do after this movie um, was really interesting to me. And also the fact that this was the first movie to feature a uh, female actor in the uh, giant monster suit um, were both really interesting, but that was pretty much the only fun facts that I if found. You wanna, I, I, I got a fun fact. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. No, no, Both no. Y'all. <laughs> you go. You go first. Because I got a real oh, fun gonna, fact. I'll, the only thing I was going to say was I believe if I have to go back and look up some my reference material, but so please don't quote me if I'm not mistaken. These the trilogy was actually co-distributed by Toho. Mm-hmm. It was, yes. yes. Yeah. Yep, it sure was. So even though they were competing companies, uh, they Toho still had uh, the you know distribution for it. Um, that's actually happened uh, in the past with other companies. I mean, there was a time when Marvel comic books were being sold by... Uh, it wasn't called DC at the time. It was National Comics. National Comics had the distribution rights for the Marvel comics because Marvel couldn't afford to publish and print and distribute all of their comics. So they actually went to National to actually distribute their comics for them. Uh, so that that happens sometimes. Uh, but yeah, it happened here with Daiei and Toho. Okay, Stephen, what was your fun fact? <laughs> Did you guys spot the cameo at the beginning of the movie? No, I didn't. Okay. What cameo? I, I had to I had to look this up because I was like, there's no way. Because dude looked like he had an age today. But one of the ships, when they were starting to get the signals on the ships, they caught they radioed one because there was something out uh-huh. there. I don't remember the guy's name, but he was one of the sea captains. It was Akira Kubo, son of Godzilla, Godzilla oh, wow. versus Monster Zero, uh-huh. okay. destroy all monsters. Dude was he was the captain. And I looked at him, I was like, he looks familiar. I know that guy. He doesn't look like he's aged today. And it was sure enough it was him. Oh wow. No, it's yeah. the guy the guy yeah, that was, was piloting that uh, was captaining that ship really did look young. I mean, I'm I'll I'll, no. I'll hand it to him. He takes care of himself. No yeah. No, this wasn't this wasn't the guy on the main ship. This wasn't the okay. guy on the main ship. It right, was, right, it was right. the ship he radioed to. Yeah, it's the one that said we're moving oh, okay. gotcha. when yeah, yeah, yeah. the atoll started moving. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He he looked familiar, but I didn't I didn't know where I knew him from. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's cool. No, I did not know that. I thought I was All sure. right. Well Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. And it wasn't mentioned anywhere even on IMDB, so that's that it's a really neat one. IMDB's kind of lackluster when it comes to some of these giant monster movies and their trivia so i have to usually find other sources for <laughs> i'm really starting to get tired of imdb trivia because i feel like the people that come on there are uptight righteous people who just have an opinion it's not a trivia fact it's just like well you see here's what i think and it's like mm-hmm. this is not what i think zone this is trivia this is not trivia what you're right. telling me right exactly um, so we can go ahead and jump into our Godzuki scores. Now, Steven, since it's been a while, I'm going to remind you. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and for listeners who are not aware, uh, 
Godzuki was Godzilla's bumbling nephew from the 1970s cartoon from Hanna-Barbera, Godzilla cartoon. And we pay homage to the great Godzuki by using him as our measuring stick for uh, how we rate our our giant monster reviews. So out of five Godzukis, what do you guys rate it? Let's start with Steven, just because you're on top of my thing. Here. All right. Um, really watching it again. I feel like I... I guess I haven't watched it since the the when I got the set because it felt like a new movie, and there were a lot of things I was really being careful about taking note of and and being critical of and not being mm-hmm. critical of. But I I've got to hand it to it. I mean, despite any kind of flaws that it may have, it's a pretty solid flick. I mean, there's not they don't overdo it one way, they don't simplify it another way. They kind of keep it nice and and meaty and balanced and focused so i think i'm gonna give it four out of five godzukis nice all right michael what's your godzuki score well um i mean it's like i said before it's a solid reboot uh there's not a whole lot that's that i can say that that's wrong with it um so i'm gonna go ahead and piggyback off of steven and say four out of five yeah, and I think that's a three for three for all three of us. I'm going to give it four out of five uh, Godzuki's too, because this movie had a lot that it had to do in a short amount of time. It had to reboot the Gamera series. It had to establish a new tone, but also you know pay homage and stay true to the spirit of Gamera. It had to, you know, it gave us such great cinematography that rivals any of the, you know, Toho movies that were coming out at the same time. And it succeeded in all of them. And I, I just, you have to give it a good score. It's a four out of five Godzukis. For sure. All right. Yeah. So, um, that's it for our main topic. So we're going to close the book on that, uh, movie and we will be discussing more of that Gamera trilogy and other Gamera movies in future episodes. So we're looking forward to that, but now we can dive into the mailbag segment of the podcast. Now I only have one letter from somebody, um, this week because I wanted to keep it kind of short um, so our listener questions, we only have one. It's from Brian Stafford, longtime listener, great uh, friend of the show. This is a comic book based one. Ooh. So everybody switch over to your comic book brains. I may have to, I may <laughs> have to respectfully bow out here. <laughs> that's, that's one of the reasons I, cause this, this question was actually sent in a few weeks ago and I was like, I'm going to save it for when Steven gets back because I think Steven will probably be able to answer it better than Michael, just me and Michael. <laughs> um, but uh, Brian says not including actual monster hunters, which comic book character of any publisher do you feel would fare the best in subduing a rampaging Kaiju? So of all the comic book characters that you can think of, who would probably have the best shot at stopping a giant monster? Well, I think the obvious answer at first would be Superman, because obviously, bam, he could punch something. He's done it right. before. He would be my, my right. initial go-to, but I feel like that's just a, that's a simple answer. I feel like we've got to think outside the box. Batman could probably attempt it. I mean, 
I'm sure he's yeah. got a gadget out there that could pull it off. Wonder Woman, obviously, she could fare just as well as Superman. Green Lantern could yeah. do it. I'm sticking with DC, and I don't know why. They just sound like the more powerful <laughs> characters. I'm no offense yeah. to Marvel characters. Well, I, I think... love Marvel characters, but I can't think of Thor. Yeah. And I think the problem with <laughs> Thor, yeah, yeah, Thor is a good Throw choice. A I think the problem that we face with comic book characters, especially longtime comic book characters like the ones in DC, the the big ones that you you think of, is they've all fought giant monsters at some point or another because that's just a trope that mm. does show up in comic books. So you know, Thor and Green Lantern and Wonder Woman and Batman has even fought giant monsters. So he's got a T Rex in the Bat Cave. Exactly. So. If you're going by comic book logic and comic book rules, any of them, because they've all done it at certain points. Um, one that I do want to address uh, or, or talk about because it stands out to me and there is an issue of Squirrel Girl. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever read yeah, Squirrel Girl. I can say that <laughs> I have face- not. The face that Michael made kind of tells me no. <laughs> um, Squirrel Girl is a fantastic comic book, especially for young readers, because one of the things about Squirrel Girl is she does not solve problems with her fists and with her might. She tries to work through them. She will kick butt when it's, you know, when she has to, but she tries to find common ground and tries to solve problems through talking and through friendship and it's it's a wonderful wonderful comic book for young people to read but there is a scene in it where she takes on a giant rampaging monster only to find out that the monster was just uh upset about something i forget what it was upset about and she just talks to it and then it it leaves and goes back home and so it's just like you know it's such a fun way to stop a giant monster than to just pow and punch and knock it into the sun like superman might do <laughs> hence why she's the unbeatable squirrel girl yeah she is unbeatable people you know who may not be aware of comic books may laugh at that because how can you have a comic book character that's unbeatable she's unbeatable because she finds a way to you know defeat the bad guy without actually even fighting them to you know talk it out or you know a more creative way than just punching it out mm-hmm. so it's a uh, really interesting so that's one that comes to mind now outside of the big two marvel and dc you do have you know you can say hellboy uh because hellboy you know does deal with giant monsters and stuff like that um maybe even um savage dragon could be one mm-hmm. uh so you know there, there's a lot of comic book characters that we could we could throw out there but i think we covered all the main big ones. i'm gonna say that you know since godzilla did technically go to hell at one point um mm-hmm. i'm gonna say hellboy's probably not gonna stand a chance um <laughs> uh maybe yeah. if i if i had to put my amateur comic book hat on a little bit here and say maybe the incredible hulk um not sure why i just always liked the incredible hulk you know hulk smash Hulk smash yo hulk hulk smash puny god hulk smash um yeah yeah hulk's disappointed because hulk is one of those 
Yeah, Hulk is one that he gets stronger the angrier he gets. So even if he's not strong enough to stop the monster initially, the angrier he gets, he's just going to keep getting stronger and stronger. And so, yeah. Doctor Strange, maybe? Yeah, that's a good one. He fights plenty of giant monsters. (laughs) So, yeah. So, like I said, I, I think giant monsters is a trope in comic books. So I think pretty much any especially long time uh, characters could face off against a giant monster because it's just that's they all have. <laughs> all right. But that was a good question, Ryan. Uh, it was a good question for me and Steven. I don't know how Michael felt about it. <laughs> I was okay with it. You know, he threw out the Hulk. He, he helped me out. I forgot that. I'm so, I'm yeah. so angry at myself. It's okay, Steven. <laughs> oh man. All right. So, uh, before we get into uh, anything else, now I did I didn't mention whenever I got into the mailbag. If you want to send a letter over to the podcast, you can email us kaijuweekly at gmail You can also tweet us at kaijuweekly, uh, and you can also uh, send us a message on Instagram, Kaiju Weekly Pod on Instagram. Those are the ways that you can reach out to us. Um, or you can reach out to us through the Kaiju Groupie uh, Facebook group because we are on there and we are always uh, participating in all the different stuff that's going on in that Facebook group. Um, so I'm going to ask the trivia question for next week's episode to hint to next week's episode and then we will do a special little game that michael has cooked up for us um so the trivia question that hints to next week's episode is um it's a trope throughout the gamera series that gamera bleeds green blood but what was the first movie to show gamera bleeding so we're gonna stay in the gamera universe but what was the first movie to show Gamera greeting, uh, bleeding his green blood? And you guys can reach out to us, answer that. And if, even if you get the answer uh, wrong, we will still give you a shout out. All right. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Michael. What do you have cooked up for us? Well, I think this is a game that you guys are familiar with. Uh, it is <laughs> Ultra Kaiju or not Ultra Kaiju. I think, um, Steven, you did a pretty good job last time, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, Travis, right. you, got, you guys are getting deeper into the, into the Ultraman universe, and so I think you're going to fare mm-hmm. pretty well. Uh, but I will ask <laughs> you, since there's three of us on here, do you want to... I'm going to give you two options. Do you want to compete against each other, or do you want to work as a team? So it's completely up to you. I mean, I, I love a little friendly competition. Okay, so yeah, that's, that's what, what I was hoping. Yeah. Do. <laughs> I was hoping you would go that route, Stephen. Um, so I'm going to throw out a couple warm-up questions, and you're going to tell me whether or not these are ultra kaiju or not ultra kaiju. So the first one is okay. Pollutacorn. Hmm. That one, I'm going to say not. Okay. Not. Okay. Do you guys know where Pelutacorn came from? Oh, it sounds like a Pokemon. (laughs) I would roll my dice and say My Little Pony. (laughs) Actually, it is a kaiju found in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers universe. Holy crap. Okay. Oh, okay. 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 Um, 
Why do I not? I am the Power Rangers expert on here. Why do I not know? I'm glad you got it correct, <laughs> but I'm also a little bit surprised you were so hesitant. I thought you would get that. I yeah. thought you would get that a lot quicker. Oh, man. I should have known that one. Okay. okay. So right. the <laughs> next one is another warm-up question before we get into the ones that actually count. Yep. Antlar. Antlar. Ultra or not? That one is. I would agree. Okay, is that your final answer, both of you? Final answer. Yes. Final answer, you are correct. That is indeed an Ultra Kaiju. It showed up, I believe, in episode 12 of 66. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know it was that late, because I, I just watched that episode not too long ago. You're probably, <laughs> so you're that's probably why I... actually correct, because I'm getting some some of these names I get... Um, or it might be it might be like episode eight or nine something like that I don't know anyway but yeah yeah I re- I recognize the name because I just watched the episode not too long ago that was that's an oh when we get to that episode that's going to be something <laughs> okay so now we're in the realm of it counts now so you guys okay. got to be putting your thing got to put your thinking caps on um, okay the first one I'm going to throw out here is Gango. Ultra Kaiju. Yeah, Ultra Kaiju. Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> that is correct. It is an Ultra Kaiju yes. from 1966. He's the one where um, he's got the multicolored belly and he's got the little spinny silver things on the side of his head. Um, oh, I can't okay. remember exactly. I, I can't remember what about. the what the name of the episode was, but yeah, it was. Uh, it was one. Of, it's one of the more popular ones among the sixty uh, yeah. among the original series. Uh, okay, so the next one is Barugon, not Baragon, but Barugon. That one is not an Ultraman. No, it's not. Because I know exactly where that one is from. <laughs> okay. That is correct. That is from the original Showa Gamera series. From Ga- Ga- it's the Rainbow Monster. That's exactly right. The Rainbow Monster. <laughs> it shoots the rainbows out of its back. <laughs> okay. Uh, the next one is Deathrog. I know that name. See, now if 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 Ultraman was an American show, I would say no because death is not usually something you can mention in a kids show in America. But being a Japanese one, they are a little more loose on what they are allowed to to show. So uh, I'm going to say I'm still going to say no. no. I'm going to say no. You're going to say no. Are you sure? Yes. Yeah. Well, you both are wrong. Because God. it actually ah. is an Ultra Kaiju. It is from Ultra Geed. Oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't gotten that far on them. <laughs> okay, so the next one is Hatchasaurus. No. That's... No. No, that cannot be one. That can't be. Are you sure? Oh, if it is, he's pulling a Regis Philbin. No, yeah, (laughs) you would be correct. That is also from the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers series. I thought that that one I recognized as a Power Rangers one (laughs) because I had that toy. (laughs) Okay, for the next one, 
Dogara. I know that name. Oh, yes, yes, I know. It, it is. Steven? Oh, no, no, sorry. No, it's not. Sorry. I was like, I recognize the name, but yeah. Yeah, no, I gotta, I gotta disagree. It's not. It is not. That is correct, because it, that, it is from its own Toho film, Dogara. Dogara, yeah, Dogara's a Toho yeah, I knew film. That. I, was yeah. like, I was like, yeah, I recognize it. <laughs> um, the next one is the Odako. That one. Ooh. Why does that one sound so familiar? I'll I'm going to say that yes. one is. That is incorrect. That is the that is the Toho octopus, the Odako. Oh, oh Odako. That's right. Now, and I was the, on the episode where we talked about it, the I Frankenstein ex- Conqueror. I was expecting you to, to get that one correct. Shame on you. Oh, uh, my memory is so bad. It's like I I see these monsters and I recognize them, but the names are kind of the things that always get me. Bezaleb. Yes. I'm going to say that one is. You sure? Yes. Both of you, you're sure. Okay. That would be correct. That is from the Ultra Orb series, the original, um, the origin story. Nice. Um, the next one is Giron. No, no, I, no. That is correct. That is also from the Gamera series. Gamera, that is one of my... You guys are probably sensing a trend here. (laughs) Oh, Giron is one of my favorite monsters from the Showa era Gamera. He has the giant knife on his nose. He's He's like a shark, but just like his nose is just a big knife. The next one is... The Kikimora. No. Yes. So that's a that's a that's a no from Stephen, but a yes from Travis. Correct. Mm-hmm. Stephen actually got that one correct. Uh, the Kikimora is actually from the series that my wife and I just finished, The Witcher. Uh, it's a right. it's a mythological oh. it's a mythical beast. Yep. So. See, I don't watch that. Good on you, Stephen, for getting that correct. Um, I got two. Boo! I call. I call hacks. You guys watch The Witcher. I haven't. Uh, I've got two more. Um, so the okay. first, so the last two. One, the first one is Zetus or Zetus, however you want to say it. That one is. I'm gonna say yeah. Steven? That is incorrect. Ugh. That that oh. is from Gamera the Brave. Dang it! Okay. Oh, that's right. That's the frilled lizard thing. That is that correct. Who he fights? Fed on the remains of Gauss and become and that's how he became mutated. Yeah. Uh, see, I know what they are. When, like, I know what they look like. I just don't know their names. <laughs> okay, so the last one here, and this may be un- a little unfair. But, Uh woo. 
No. Ha! Yes, it is. It's unfair for a reason. I know why it's unfair. <laughs> and I forgot, and, and, and that is correct. That Travis got that one correct. And I'll and I'll tell you that you guys actually tied for this, so Woo! it's a tie. Uh, I really was hoping it would not go this way, but uh, I couldn't think of one off the fly. Just really quickly, I could have said uh, uh, Goldar, but you guys would have known what that was from. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. I, I threw in some interesting ones in there that I thought maybe that you weren't sure about. I was I was hoping that the Kikimora would would stump you guys because it sort of sounds like what it, it could it yeah, could possibly it be. Um, yeah, it, it sounded me. too familiar that it was an Ultraman to me. I was like, nope, nope. Uh, and Travis, I'm really disappointed that uh, you didn't get the Odako. That was our very first episode together. I know. I know. I forgot what that that octopus was called. I just know giant octopus. Um, the reason why I say, or why I don't know if this is why Michael's saying, uh, but the reason why that final question might have been a little unfair was because I just posted on my social media that I was introducing my girlfriend to uh, Gamma, I mean uh, to uh, Ultraman, and the one that I was showing her was Woo, <laughs> and she was like. She she said ew, and I said no woo, woo, <laughs> woo is his name. <laughs> that is oh, I cannot wait till we get to that. Oh, episode. It's, it's a good one. You guys are gonna have a lot of fun with that one. <laughs> oh man, that was fun. That was good. I'm glad that I got to test my Ultraman knowledge too, because last time I just tested Stevens, and I like Stevens' scenario of if I recognize it, then it can't be an Ultraman one because I'm not as familiar <laughs> with Ultraman. <laughs> exactly. So the next time, oh. next time y'all play this game, I'll join in, and you can try to stop me. So. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun this episode. And uh, we're going to thank uh, Stephen for rejoining us after your long extended podcation. Mm -hmm. uh, we're so glad to have you back. And Michael, so glad to have you as a part of this podcast now. Uh, you bring a lot of extra something. <laughs> Let's say je ne sais quoi <laughs> to the podcast. fancy. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and so we want to also thank all of the listeners for listening to this episode and you can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app make sure to if you want to give us a five-star review on itunes and give us a good review because if you do we will read it out because i love hearing what you guys have to say about the podcast so I think that's going to be it for this week. Until next time, I'm going to say help control the giant turtle population. Have your turtles spayed or neutered. Bye, guys. <laughs> See you guys. See you later. Bye. Bye.